I love my job. I sometimes I just stand back and cry that I get to be a small part of it. I get messages all the time. You know, thank you for caring about the deaf people. And this is working. Like this is what we needed because they were struggling with teaching them sign language. But this is something they can teach quickly and be able to share God's word. Welcome to The Thing You Do, a podcast about interesting jobs and the people who do them. I'm your host, Tammy. So today's guest is the kind of person with the kind of job that inspired me to do this podcast in the first place. There are so many people doing really important yet kind of obscure things. And the vast majority of us have no idea that their kind of work is even being done. We didn't even know it was a thing. So when we learn about the things these people are doing, we get to see the world through a new set of eyes. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When we learn about people's work, we learn more about how the world works. That said, join me in welcoming Stacy Shaviak to the podcast. Stacy works for Wycliffe Bible Translators, where she's in the midst of an exciting and very unique project that involves developing a translation of the Bible for people who are deaf. Now, Stacy, some people have a pretty simple elevator speech. Like, you know, if you asked me what I do for a living, I could tell you in probably 30 seconds and you'd get it, right? But what in the world do you say when somebody says, so tell me, Stacy, what do you do for a living? So I love answering this question in public with strangers because it is always followed by silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so when people normally ask me, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, I either say, oh, I'm a Bible translator. And that is, that gives me silence in response. And then if they follow up with, oh, what language are you working with? Then I respond, we're working on a new language that is completely symbolic so that we can teach deaf people who have never learned to read, to be able to read in a matter of days so they can have access to God's word. And then I usually get a blank stare. Um, I guess, first of all, my my question, my first question from that would be like, OK, wait a minute. Hold on. Back up. You're translating the Bible for deaf people. But but why? So that's a great question. So so I want you to pan out and think globally and not just within the United States. So Reclub Associates is an international nonprofit organization. So our our goal is to get every verse of God's word translated into every tongue for every heart. And so we actually have a different department called DOT, which stands for Deaf Ownership Translation. And so that is for deaf people who know sign language. And we teach them how to video record a sign language translation of the Bible. So that makes sense to people. Right. Because right. if you know deaf people, then you know that they sign. However, 80% of deaf people in the world have no access to education, and only between 1% and 2% ever receive education in sign language. So what we were finding was that when we were doing these workshops to teach people to translate their sign language um, into scripture, was that many of them did not know sign language. They maybe had what we call a home sign or something they made up with the people around them, or maybe they knew enough to survive, but definitely not enough to be able to sign the Bible in biblical terms, and they wouldn't be able to read and understand it. So that's when we 
decided we needed a solution. So we're not a literacy organization. Um, There's plenty of other people who do a great job doing that. And that is one solution to teach people how to read. However, we want them to have access to God's word quickly. So a symbolic language was created by a team of people. And it's universal, can be taught in any language. It is intrinsic. We hope that is easy to learn. When they look at the picture and you tell them, oh, this is the symbol for Jesus, or this is the symbol for man, it makes sense. And we have found, we've been to 14 countries. We have found it, it is pretty intrinsic. People understand it. And once we teach them that, they're able to read a language for the very first time. And that is what makes my job so cool is to be able to watch that light bulb go on. So I, I definitely want to go get back to um, the, the sun, the, the symbolic universal notation. I want to talk more about that and the development of that. But why not just teach them sign language? Well, actually, when we teach sun, we do accompany it with sign language. So we work we partner with people who have a heart for deaf people. So it's normally church leaders, community leaders, and people like that. So they know the sign language. There is different sign languages all over the world. So there's no way we would know what that is. So we work with them. We teach, we call them facilitators. We teach the facilitator's son, and we teach them how to teach the deaf in their circles on how to read sign, and then they accompany it with sign language. So sign language is not universal? No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Now it makes more sense. See, I was thinking sign language was in, I don't, I mean, this shows how little I know about it, but I'm thinking, you know, English sign language is the same as Spanish sign language is the same as French sign language or, you know, whatever, but that's not the case? No, every, every country has well there's over 8000 languages in the world and there is some crossover but the the languages that do have sign language are different and so um ASL is the American sign language we use in the oh, United States right it was based on <laughs> ASL French- Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the light bulb is going on. Now. <laughs> That's okay. If it doesn't, if it doesn't touch your life, you would never even right. think about these right. issues. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you go to French parts of Africa, they know French sign language, which is what ASL was based on. French came first, actually. Um, but every country has its own. Um, actually, that's not true. Not every country has its own. But if they do have a sign language, it is its own. It's not, um, it may, they may borrow certain phrases, but when you go to Tanzania, there's a Tanzanian sign language. Um, you go to Nigeria, there's a Nigerian sign language. And so. Interesting. So, so now, so now it makes more sense that, you know, you are part of Wycliffe, which the mission is getting the Bible into as many hearts as possible. And by creating this symbolic universal notation system, it's one set of symbols that you can teach everybody, regardless of which language they speak. Um, and that way, even your your instructors only have to learn one one set. I get that now. That makes it makes sense now. Yeah, very good. That's so great. how did you get into Bible translation? Were you always expecting to do a Bible um, for deaf people? Was that your heart? I mean, how did it all come together for you? Well, it was a slow 
becoming. So I became a Christian in college and I went to uh, Warner University in Central Florida. And I remember one day at chapel, Wycliffe came and spoke about people who were waiting for God's word, tribes that had received Christ, but did not have the word of God. And I remember they talked about a tribe that had actually built a house and it was, well, house, in quotation marks, a little shack, and it was empty. And when missionaries came, they asked them, who is this you know, home for? And they said, well, we built it for the person who's going to come tell us about God. And so it just touched my heart. So that was, you know, my early, late teens, early 20s. I felt a call to missions quickly. I got my degree in English education because I knew a lot of countries don't just open the door to missionaries. So I thought teaching English would be a great way to do that. Um, I had the opportunity to move to Laos with my family. Laos is in Southeast Asia. It's nestled between Thailand, Vietnam, and Myanmar. I taught English to Lao medical students while at the same time finding language groups that did not have scripture. In the midst of that, we met a group of beautiful deaf people who had become Christians, but did not, they didn't know enough um, sign language to be able to understand the word. And so we had worked with them, teaching them for a couple years. Uh, I had to move back to the United States due to a family emergency. And I went to Wycliffe headquarters. I was working with Wycliffe the whole time. And I said, you know, is there anything I can do in the United States while my family is receiving some help that they need? And that's when son was about a year old at that time. That was 2018. And I knew immediately that, yes, I want to continue to work with the deaf because they had touched my heart when I was in Laos. So you um, you definitely felt that that was the direction to take. And so you started working, I guess, to help develop son. Yes. So Emily Wang was my manager at the time. She was the developer of the language. She would not take credit for that, but she is the one who created the core symbols at the beginning of the program. And then as she came up with the system, she dev- she grew her team and more and more people came to help because it became pretty overwhelming when you're looking at the whole entire Bible and mm-hmm. every word needs a symbol. So she, she was the, um, the developer. And she has since um, left with Cliff to work for a different organization, but she still uses Sun to teach deaf and blind, which is a whole nother conversation. We um, turn the Sun symbols into tactile 3D format, and we've been able to teach deaf and blind people how to read scripture. So that's another layer of the program that we're still researching. Wow. And I I feel like we probably said this, but it just kind of is hitting me again. So sun is a written language. It's not a, it's not a, it's not sign in any way. You know, like we, I think we think about sign language for deaf people, but it is a written language made up of all symbols. Yes, you're correct. It's written. It's not spoken because it's only pictures. Uh And what we do use sign language to reinforce the words so we can test for comprehension. Right. And, and so they are essentially learning two languages at the same time. But our purpose is that they'll be able to read the scripture as a language. Interesting. Wow. 
Do you ever, <laughs> such a side random question, but do you ever feel like it's the Bible in emojis? Like, you know, because sometimes I feel like we are, you know, we're almost going back to the era of like of hieroglyphics now in our communication with texts. I mean, I have texts that are really all just pictures at this point, you know? <laughs> yes. It's, it's kind of like Egyptian emojis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so easy to learn because mm-hmm. We, we are in a pictorial world. It kind of has always been that way, but I think you're right. We're kind of going backwards to that. And, and when you're deaf and you don't know sign language and you cannot communicate with your spoken word, you learn how to speak with your body and how to draw pictures so you can communicate with people. It's, mm-hmm. it's part of survival. So it has made sense to those people who are learning it. Are they able to use this um sun in any other applications? I mean, can can people who know it then communicate things other than scripture to one another using this language? Yes. So that's something we had to explore. So there are 90 core symbols. And I think we're still the language is still being developed because we're still translating the Old Testament. There's about 2,500 total symbols. 90 core symbols. So that means there's 90 unique symbols and the rest of them are alterations or combinations of those symbols. So you only have to learn 90 to be able to have access to all 2000 plus symbols, but it is solely held to scripture. It's scripture words. Now our daily bread has created a devotional. Some of our translators worked on that. They created a devotional in completely sun symbols. Um, But we had messages coming from the field saying, we want this in our education system. So for instance, Uganda and parts of Tanzania, when the Ministry of Education heard about this, they're like, this is perfect for our students that are, are handicapped, deaf and blind, deaf and blind, those who have learning disabilities. But because it's the public school system, they wanted something more than just Bible words. Well, because because that's Wycliffe's mission, we're not interested in expanding the language. However, we're experimenting what's called two-tier literacy. And we've tried it um, in three different languages so far, where we first teach sun, and then we use sun to teach whatever the main language is. So when we went to Tanzania, we tried this out. We taught people who were deaf and people who were hearing but did not know how to read. We spent two or three days teaching them uh, a group, I think it was like 25 sun symbols to teach a story. And then the next two days, we used those sun symbols to teach them Swahili. By the fifth day, they could read the story in sun and they could read the story in Swahili. So it becomes a, it becomes a bridge to, to expanding language literacy. It's still being tested, but it has hopes that that sun can be used to open the door to more language learning. That's really, that's exciting. Um, And, you know, I think about, you know, my mind again, I go back to the emojis, but I was reading that really you're, the sun symbols are kind of loosely based on um, the Mandarin language. And that, that makes sense too. Is that kind of where the inspiration came from for this? Yes. So Emily Wang is, um, Chinese American. Mm -hmm. So when she was researching what is the best way to do this, she started with a book called Shine Easy. And she already knew 
uh, the Chinese language, but she started looking at basic symbols and how they were teaching people to learn Chinese. And I, that inspired her. So if someone knows Chinese, they will recognize some of the symbols, not all of them, but some of them they would recognize for sure. It's got to be very exciting to be a part of this, which is just such a brand new thing. Um, and then also it's got to be rewarding to see it click for people. I love my job. I Sometimes I just stand back and cry that I get to be a small part of it. And we have a huge team, about 50 or 60 volunteers that are part of this project from translators to checkers to our tech team to our font developers to our database people to our our global team so when we when we go to another country and we teach it it's theirs and then they take it to the rest of their country and to see the sacrifices they make i get messages all the time you know thank you for caring about the deaf people and this is working like this is what we needed because they were struggling with teaching them sign language. But this is something they can teach quickly and be able to share God's word. So in Tanzania uh, last month, the team, they had made a strategic plan. There's 20 some regions throughout the country. They picked six where they were going to go and hold their own son workshops. Well, the first one they went and did by themselves at the end of the workshop, which is about five days, they you start reading the book of Mark. So the people who've never learned to read begin to read the book of Mark and Son. And as they began reading it, they said, wow, we we believe this. We believe that that Jesus is God's son. And they decided to be baptized, seven of them, at the end of the workshop. And so it was so exciting for the leaders to see the fruit of their efforts and their sacrifices. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking to you earlier about how it was like, duh, of course, sign language is not (laughs) universal. And I always just kind of thought it was. And it's just not it's not something that has touched me personally. So I didn't know. And for many of us in the United States and, um, you know, other other cultures or countries where there aren't restrictions on owning Bibles, we take it for granted. You know, if someone becomes a Christian or is a Christian and wants a Bible in their house, they can just go to the store, go online and get as many Bibles as they want. I mean, most of us would who are believers would look around our house and think, how many Bibles do we have? But then there are people who don't have access to books or can't have access to books because um, of government uh, regulations against faith. Um, And so we just don't I think those of us who are blessed to be able to freely own Bibles or buy Bibles or have access to Bibles just don't think about the fact that people that there are people who don't have access and who really, really, really want the Bible. They want the Bible in their in their hearts language, whatever that might be. Um, and so I love this conversation with you because it's just another example of things that we don't a lot of times think about, but there's such a tremendous need for, um, and our eyes are opened. And, and hopefully it makes us appreciate our Bibles more. I know I, 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 I do it every day and I still take advantage of having it and don't always appreciate it. But to see, that's my favorite part of my job, is to see people read the Bible for the first time, and it makes sense. And we had a pastor in West Africa, and he he's hearing. He's actually an audiologist by day and a pastor by night. And he he has death that no sign, 
So he began, he learned sign language so he could interpret the church service for the deaf, he and his wife both. But then as their, their deaf circle expanded, so many of them did not understand. So he would sign interpret the church service. And then after church, he would spend an hour or two trying to explain it again using simpler sign language. Sometimes they would get it and sometimes they wouldn't. And his wife told me he would just sit up at night crying out to God, please help me explain Jesus to them. I don't know how to reach them. Can you please help me? And so through some contacts, we came to his um, town and, and taught him and his, uh, the deaf that knew sign. And at the end of the workshop, his wife said, you are an answer to his prayer. Like he can, he now has a way to explain what's going on in church. And this particular uh, deaf community, they use sign to write down their worship songs and to um, write devotions and things like that. And so they just totally owned it as this is our first language. And it was just so exciting to see that God will do anything to reach one heart for him. He'll do anything. And he's so creative about it. So that, that's the best part of my job. So if someone's listening and thinking, you know, I never thought about Bible translation, but maybe that's something I should get involved in, whether we're talking about, you know, son or or one of the many. How many languages uh, does, does Wycliffe, have they translated the Bible? It's a lot. How many are there? Do you know? You caught me off guard. Okay. I'm not I, it's sure. A lot. Like, I know, <laughs> we're like in the hundreds. I know. Right. Like that, that Wycliffe has translated the languages. Anyway, it's, it's over a thousand. Oh, geez. OK. So it's yeah. way more than I thought. So if someone is listening and thinking, you know, I, I could get into this, I could get into Bible translation. Um, what would their next steps be to even consider that as a career? Well, the first thing I say is to pray. So. When I was called to missions, it was 1995. It was almost 20 years later before I actually got to enter the mission field. So I believe it, it needs to be a calling that, that God's placed on your life. So the first step is to pray and ask God if he's touching your heart. So if you're listening right now, God's touching your heart and you're thinking about it, then he's, he's wanting you to, to talk to him about it for some reason to be involved. Cause I believe that when God makes you aware of where he's working, that's his invitation for you to join him in some way. And then if you feel led to go to wickliffassociates.org and check out the many, many projects that we have, you do not need a degree in linguistics. We're not, we're not linguists. I don't learn all of these languages. We are trainers. We equip the local church all over the world so they can translate their own language. So it's able to be done in a matter of just a few years as opposed to decades, because we're not the ones learning the language and doing it. And there's many ways to support that, whether it's going to other countries to train the church, whether it's staying back in the US and praying or doing tech support, there's so many things to do. So I would definitely go to wickliffassociates.org and check out the many, the many ways you can help and be involved. Awesome. I will put a link to uh, Wycliffe on uh, the show notes here so that people who are interested can learn more. And I'm sure there they can also find more about this exciting project that you're working on with um, Sun. So that's that's great. Yes, Sun has its own portion on that website. So you can look at the symbols at the very bottom of the page. You'll see 
everything that we use on the field, our lesson cards, there's links to YouTube. We have a YouTube page called W-A-S-U-N. And we have lessons on all of the symbols and how we teach it to other people. We have our dictionary. So everything is free. It's open source. So anybody can access it and check it out. Um, Stacy, thank you for giving us some time today. Um, and, you know, I will uh, pray for you as you continue to uh, work to to get this, this sun translation into as many hands and hearts as possible. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that'll do it for another episode of The Thing You Do podcast. Thank you again to today's guest, Stacy Shaviak. And thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of The Thing You Do, go back and check out all the episodes. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, check out The Thing You Do on Facebook to join the conversation about the show and to stay in the loop about upcoming episodes. And finally, If you have any comments or suggestions about the Thing You Do podcast, maybe you want to tell me about the thing you do. Well, I want to hear from you. Call and leave a message at 405-355-8264. Yeah, that spells Tammy, T-A-M-I, 405-355-8264, or email me, Tammy at thingyoudo.net. 